What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and for the second time in DFS Dose history, I am joined by just one Jay, Joey Carrion, gentleman, or gentleman, I should say. It is that time of year, like last week, we've got a huge slate of DFS games, 13 games on the main slate, uh, and we've got another slate like last week where injuries are shifting and will continue to shift uh, as we gain clarity on them throughout the week. You know, we've got a, a decent amount of players getting deactivated, being sent to IR almost every single day, it seems like, as teams are reevaluating their rosters and, and creating new NFL opportunities for some players and, more importantly, creating value for us as DFS players on DraftKings. So, as always, we are going to go position by position, talk about some of our favorite plays, you know, give our thoughts on some of the better sports bets of the week, and then finally give uh, some 1% plays that could help you bank a large field GPP. But before we do any of that, Joey, do you want to tell the people how they can support the DFS Dose podcast? As always, you can support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. We're actually at 299 as of right now. So if you're listening to this, hopefully, you know, we're over the 300 mark. But if not, go ahead Follow us on there. You know, we might do something if we hit 300 in the next couple days. And then you could uh, also support us by subscribing on iTunes or YouTube at the DFS Dose. And then we're also on, on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you just listen to your podcast. We're, we're there at the DFS Dose. So go ahead, um, listen to us, like, share, uh, comment, all that good stuff all that good stuff absolutely uh let's dive right into the slate because it is a big one what do you think uh in terms of a general overview uh about this slate um i think there's a lot of value on this slate you know unlike other weeks that we've had recently um i I think there's a another numerous ways you can go just like last week and um it's going to be interesting to see where people go especially at wide receiver this week with a with a lot of uh, value opening up because of injuries like you mentioned in the intro yeah i think it's going to be tough for some people because one of our wide receiver slots is already a, a guaranteed lock so we've really only got two to three if we use the flex for a wide receiver opposed to our typical three to four but um you know we'll get into that and the all-time lock of all locks when we get to wide receiver but uh, let's start off right away with quarterback. And, you know, we were talking a bit pre-show. You know, I think that you can't really look below 6,400 in cash games. How do you feel about that take right there? Um, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't particularly agree with that. I think you could look to, you know, maybe one or two guys under 6K. I mean, I like Kyler Murray. Um, on the or He's at home against the Browns this week. Uh, 5.6k I think that's just too cheap for you know the type of player he is and the ceiling that he has especially with the rushing floor but I know we were talking about it uh, pre-pod that he does have a hamstring injury which may impact his ability to run the ball and escape and he's also one of the um, you know the highest sacked quarterbacks I believe he is the highest sacked uh, quarterback in the NFL so there's obviously some risks uh, going up against a Cleveland defense that you know does a good job of generating pressure. Um, 
so there's obviously risk, but I think he's a solid play at 5.6. Yeah, the thing with, with Murray, in my opinion, is that, like, it's it's kind of weird to think about that he's somewhat inconsistent considering the way that the Cardinals play is actually really consistent, and they do the same exact thing every single week regardless of opponent or anything like that. They just pass a ton, play super fast. But, you know, you look at Murray and – in his last seven games, you know, four of them, you know, more than half of them, he's got under 15 points. And that was even prior to the hamstring injury. So, you know, the way I look at Murray is more so in, uh, you know, like a, a GPP sense, I guess, more than cash game when you can find guys like, you know, some of the higher price guys we'll talk about in a minute that I think are just consistent week after week. But, you know, if you do want to take that shot on Murray, he's certainly in a good spot. Browns, Arizona is the second highest totaled game, you know, on this slate. Yeah, that that's why I like Murray a lot. Just um, you know, the game environment is going to be there, and um, he's just one of the best quarterbacks in this cheaper range, in my opinion. And I don't really believe there's anybody below him that I would go to, even though we do have Eli Manning at five point two against the Dolphins. Um, you know, if Daniel Jones is back, I like I like Daniel Jones a lot at five point six k. So the same price as Kyler Murray. I'd probably end up uh, going there, but other than then, Murray, there's really not much that I like. So I, I think it's time to talk about these, uh, you know, these expensive quarterbacks because this is where probably everybody will go this week. <clears throat> yeah. So you know, I I got three guys on my list that I think are all really like phenomenal cash plays. That's Baker Mayfield in the same game, and and for the same reasons uh, that we just said. You know, Mayfield himself is actually kind of inconsistent, so you know it's a little fun to think about but I think he's just a little bit more consistent I think he has better weapons and I I don't know but then again for 6400 a quarterback with little to no rush equity I guess is kind of you know difficult but it should be a really high-paced environment but you know the two guys I'm really keying in on are in the same game and that's going to be Tannehill and Watson I think you know it's the one game on this slate with a total above 50 it's uh opened at 48 and a half it's already climbed to 51 you know people are betting the over on this game which makes a lot of sense if you ask me. And and I like uh, both of these guys. Uh, do you have a lean between Watson and Tannehill? I mean, it, when the salary's close like it is with Watson and Tannehill, they're only 300 apart with Watson being 6.8, Tannehill being 6.5, obviously. Um, I'm always going to lean towards, you know, the more talented uh, player that has higher upside. So I like Watson a little bit more than Tannehill in this game. <clears throat> But, I mean, Tannehill obviously is a great play, and he's been a great play uh, these last couple weeks. Uh, just been absolutely lighting up defenses, uh, surprisingly. Um, has a couple 30-point games in, in the last couple games, so I don't mind playing Tannehill, you know, against the Texans at home. And they're, the Texans secondary is definitely nothing to be scared of, and I think uh, this should be a high-scoring game. Um, see, I don't know if there's – really any merit for this game to have the highest total on the slate because I do like some other games a little bit more that I think should be uh totaled higher but I think it's sh- I think it should be around its total I think it'll go under though interesting uh what what game do you like more than this game I mean just from an offensive standpoint I think the Seahawks and Carolina game has the potential to be the highest scoring game on the slate. Um, 
Hmm. Both defenses aren't really that good. They can't really uh, stop the run, can't really stop the pass. And I know Kyle Allen isn't that good, but he's serviceable. And the Panthers have no intentions of benching their starters, so from at least what we can see. And I think they really do want to get uh, CMC this uh, total yard record that he's uh, trying to break from Chris Chris Johnson. So I think this game um, has the potential to be a shootout, and you could get players in that game at low ownership. So I do. I think Russ would be above Watson and Tannehill for me, just for you know five hundred and two hundred more respectively. That's fair, but this dude Russ hasn't had you know over twenty DK points since week nine, and they're you know this is a team that's going to want to run the ball. And they're going to be able to run the ball. You know, Chris Carson, who we'll talk about in a little while, I think is one of the better plays on the slate. And, and you know, Panthers are dead last in terms of rush defense. But just a couple numbers because I didn't really talk too much about Watson. And he's my favorite play. I, I agree with what you said about, you know, when the prices are as close between him and Tannehill, Mylene would also be Watson. And we saw last week, you know, they pass when they're ahead. And if they get down, Watson's just going to snap. And, and, you know, Watson, he has only one game under 19 DK points since week nine, or I'm sorry, since week five, right? And that's nine games. And over half of those nine games, he's gone for over 27. So I think without Lamar Jackson on the main slate, you know, he has basically the best floor ceiling combo on the board. And, you know, you can really easily get to him this week. Like 6,800 is totally affordable if you want to go that route uh, with all the other value. We have it wide receiver and even running back if you want to play some of the cheap guys there. So, you know, I absolutely love Watson this week. I think uh, Wilson is a good, you know, GPP play. Mahomes as well, great GPP play. Um, yeah, and other than that, there's not too much standing out to me. I mean, Jameis Winston would be an amazing play if, you know, he didn't have a fracture in his throwing thumb. I think it's his thumb on his throwing hand that is fractured, and he's uh, 6,900, so he's expensive and injured. So that might be difficult. The only other guy I want to shout out is my guy, Drew Locke. I don't know if you saw this story on Twitter, uh, but Drew Locke is, was dating the daughter of the Chiefs owner, uh, the, the future owner of the Chiefs. And uh, now he's going into Arrowhead, and that's his ex, and he's definitely going to stun on her in this game, 100%. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I saw uh, you repost that article. It's the best narrative, you know, that we've had all season. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, he's gonna want to go into Kansas City and light them up. And I mean, he went into Houston yesterday, or yesterday Sunday, and uh, lit the Texans up. They got out to a big lead, like thirty-eight to ten or whatever it was. Um, I think Drew, <laughs> Drew Lock, lock him in. Oh yeah. Drew Lock? Nah, it's cash game lock yeah, all day. Facts. All day, all night. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody's gonna play him, but great narrative. I know, He's he, got a snap. ultimate leverage. Oh yeah, you know, and, and you can book it right now. Millie making uh, the Millie Maker winner will have Drew Lock to Cortland Sutton, um, probably <laughs> brought back with Hill or something like that. But um, I mean, the only other guy that I really am super interested in, like terms of GPPs exclusively, would be uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I mean, sixty one hundred and the 49ers have the highest team total on the slate with 29.75. I mean, they're massive favorites against the Falcons, and, you know, ideally they'd like to run. But we just saw, you know, Jimmy G has a massive ceiling. 
I think his floor is definitely low, which is why you can't go there in cash because, like, ideally the 49ers are just going to play good defense and, and run the ball with their, you know, three-headed backfield. But, you know, I mean, he could definitely snap against this really soft Atlanta defense. Yeah, that's I was going to bring him up. I, I like Jimmy G a lot. I mean, the price is, you know, pretty good. And he definitely has some upside. Obviously, there's a concern when all they want to do is run the ball with their, you know, 17 running backs that they have <laughs> active every week. But I think this is a spot where the Falcons can, you know, perform kind of well. The 49ers have just been decimated by injuries, but like, you know, that's not like the story when they're eleven and two and they're number they're the number one seed. Um, they've just lost players every single week on the defensive ball. On the defensive side of the ball, especially I know Sherman is most likely done um, for the regular season. And they've lost a bunch of key pieces in their front seven. Um, to go along with their secondary. So I think this is a spot where, you know, you could play Matt Ryan at 5.9K in uh, tournaments, get him at, you know, less than 2%. And um, I would like that leverage all day, especially in tournaments. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. I mean, the, you know, the Falcons are another team that have been kind of decimated by injury. They lost Calvin Ridley, which is definitely a knock to Ryan, considering yeah. he's actually been the most productive receiver for them over the past couple of weeks. And, I mean, he's going to be throwing to Zacchaeus out there. So, I mean, that's a little bit of a concern, I think, against this elite uh, defense here. But it is true that they've continued to lose pieces, and maybe they're not so elite after getting, like, what, like 100 points dropped on them last week. Yeah. Who knows? But, I mean, that's really all I've got for quarterback. Do you want to move on to running back here? Yeah, I think we're good to move on. All right, so, I mean, starting off with the top, you know, Christian McCaffrey, just the stone nuts every single week. I mean, he's shown it. Uh, he hasn't gotten in the end zone for two weeks straight, still put up 17.2 and then 24.5 points last week. Now he is 10K for the first time since week nine. Uh, you know, in terms of matchups, Seattle's not really a positive or a negative matchup. They're kind of neutral, um, which is fine. And McCaffrey's, you know, matchup proof as it is. I mean, he's averaging 12 targets per game over his last four matchups. You know, yeah. 12 targets per game. How many other players in the NFL? Probably none besides maybe Michael Thomas. And I don't even know if that's true. So, you know, despite not hitting pay dirt for two straight, I mean, he still has a ton of touchdown equity on his own team. So, I mean, I have I have no fear with playing McCaffrey. And, again, like we've said a couple times, you can pretty much fit whoever you want. So if you want to prioritize McCaffrey on this slate, uh, I think that's a pretty smart move in cash games. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we talk about McCaffrey every week, but just each and every week he is consistently the best play on the board. Hence why he's always the most expensive. Like you mentioned, he's averaging 12 targets a game. Just seeing absurd usage uh, for a player – especially at the running back position. And he's just a great play every week. I mean, like you said, he hasn't scored a couple – he hasn't scored touchdowns the last couple weeks. But, I mean, I think he is one of the best bets each week to score a touchdown. Um, I think he – I think he's just a great play every week. And since I'm not a donkey, I play him every week. Um, I can't speak for everybody, but – yeah. A lot of donkeys out there. Yeah, especially on this podcast. Um, but, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, great play. But in that same game, I think Chris Carson is going to be one of the highest-owned running backs along with McCaffrey. And I think that is um, the right move for cash games this week. Uh, we know that the Panthers are the worst 
defense against running backs. And Rashad Penny is out. R.I.P. Penny. Um, torn ACL. Mm. Hate to see it. Yep. Ben's boy gone. Ugh, done for the season. But Chris Carson is, you know, he's going to go back into his uh, workhorse usage, you know, 20 plus attempts. Couple catches, I would say like three to five catches a game, and we're getting him at seventy five hundred. Just a phenomenal matchup um, in a game where it is uh, one of the highest totals on the slate, and the Seahawks have the second highest uh, team total, or tied for the second highest on the, uh, the slate with the Chiefs. So I think um, Chris Carson is a great play. Yeah, definitely, and and maybe not the way that he's typically been thought of in the past, but, I mean, he's completely, you know, game script neutral because they will target him if they have to, and if he's ahead, then you would think that he's going to be pushing 100 yards and, and be in, in, you know, a great position to score touchdowns, especially against, you know, the, the team giving up the most touchdowns to running backs in the NFL. So, yeah, I like Carson, and... Do you have any like uh, you know hesitation about playing both of these guys from the same game? Because we do know that uh, running backs in the same game on on opposing teams have a little bit of negative correlation with one another. But I feel like this spot, especially with McCaffrey, you know, I don't even really consider him as like a running back strictly. You know, he's yeah. kind of just like the entire Panthers offense. Yeah. Besides DJ Moore, I mean, he's their best wide receiver, and then he's obviously their best running back. He is their best player on the entire team. So he's not going to come off the field ever, uh, no matter if they're losing, um, no matter if they're winning. Like we saw last week, the Panthers were down 40-13, to 13, you know, going into the fourth quarter or whatever it was, and McCaffrey was still out there on every single play. Uh, you know, he ate up like six catches or seven catches on one of the final drives of the game to, you know, at least, you know, get close to hitting value uh, last week. So, I mean, CMC is always a plug-and-play. And then Chris Carson with no penny. And then, obviously, we got some guys behind him like CJ Prosites, who's just a scrub, so he's not going to play. Um, yeah. there, there's there's really no worry that these running backs are going to come off the field in this game. And it's going to be a close and competitive game. So I like both of them. Yeah, I totally agree with that. What about some of these other guys in the higher range, some other guys, you know, above, uh, say, above Chris Carson? We got... Elliot, we got Chubb, we got Henry, we got Barkley. Uh, what do you like in this group here? Uh, I mean, Derrick Henry has been a monster uh, recently. Dude has nine nine touchdowns in the last five games. Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, he hasn't put up less than 24 points in, you know, five weeks now. Just an absolute uh, November and December king when it comes to running backs. Um you know, but he's priced up like a top tier running back now at eight point five K. So I don't know if I if I'd go there in cash, although I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't hate anybody that played him. Um Nick Chubb, I mean eh. Just he he just gets uh, a lot of his usage taken away by Kareem Hunt. But I mean Saquon is projected to be one of the highest owned running backs on the slate at home against the Dolphins. But I think as a podcast, we've come to the conclusion that he's kind of dust this year. I mean, absolutely. I think I've played him one time the entire season. And fortunately for me, that was his best game of the year against the Lions. So kind of lucked out with that. But other than that, um, 
he's just been not good. And he's had great matchups. Like, that's the thing. Like, he, you know, faced the Packers a couple weeks ago, didn't do much. Um, and then some other easy matchups. I'm, matchups. He's had some difficult matchups in there, like the Jets, uh, but he's just been dust. You know, I mean, this guy, Barkley, has the same number of games under 10 DK points as games above 10 DK points if you look at his last eight matchups. And, you know, I don't know if he's dust. I don't know if the injury's still hampering him. I don't know if he's just a one-hit wonder, 2018 phenomenon, whatever it is. But the thing with Barkley is, I think it's pretty easy to explain, is, is there's another big dog in town now, someone else coming coming into his own. And, and there's no need to feature a running back when you've got a wide receiver that is uh, – you know that top tier like the Giants do now. So, but again, we'll hold yeah. off till we get to wide I mean, receiver with that. Um, just with just with Barkley, I think it is the injury because I mean, against two decent rush defenses the first two weeks, he had a hundred. He had two hundred. <laughs> he had two hundred and uh, thirty yards rushing against the Bills and Cowboys combined. You know, he averaged ten yards per carry the first week against the Cowboys, and he ended up getting hurt week three against the Bucks, and just wasn't the same sense. So, you know, I, I think this season is just a down year because of injury. Yeah, I mean, it happens. It happened with, uh, with like, Fournette, I think, and, and some other backs in recent years, sophomore slump, whatever yeah. you want to call it. But I personally will not be playing uh, Barkley this week i mean i don't care how chalky he gets i actually like the fact that he's chalky because i think that you know that's gonna get people off of mccaffrey off of carson maybe and off of todd Gurley, who you know we can talk about right now i think todd Gurley is just like the the misprice is so drastic like he should not be 6k in in this spot i mean do you agree with that yeah i think it is one of the you know biggest misprices uh on the slate you know, he, he's had a good run of games. He had a bad matchup against the Ravens a couple weeks ago and only scored five points. But other than that, he's been pretty good over the last month. And I think just the biggest thing with Gurley is that they're going to unleash him now. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we heard that report from uh, Rappaport and, and some comments from Sean McVay that, you know, kind of corroborated it that, you know, they just want to use Gurley as a bell cow down the stretch. And, you know, this is a team that's desperately chasing, you know, a wild card spot in the NFC. And, you know, Gurley hasn't been their best player this year the way he was last year, but I guess that they're just hoping that he's far enough removed from the injury that they can just, you know, feed him the ball. And he's got 20-plus touches in three out of the last four games. Cowboys have given up 100 or more rushing yards in all three of their last games, and all three of those games were losses. So I think if you can, you know, kind of expect the Rams to hold their own in this spot, then you can look at Todd Gurley as uh, yeah. just an elite play with that kind of usage. And and he's not the receiver that he was in the past. You know, he used to get, like, a lot of receiving work, you know, like elite receiving work, but even still he's got you know he's gonna get three to four catches in every game which just raises his floor enough to make him just an absolute smash cash play yeah not to mention i mean this is kind of like a you know watch the game take but the rams have always uh dominated the cowboys pretty much um so i think Mm. uh Gurley is a fantastic play this week and if he gets over you know 20 touches the Rams are, you know, usually winning the game, and they're just gonna, you know, run them, uh, run them a lot that in that specific game if they're up, 
So I think Gurley is a great play, and he does still get some receiving work. Obviously, it's not as much as we would like, but I take it from a 6K uh, running back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, then when you look at the rest of the slate, I feel like there is a pretty significant drop off after yeah. you know say Gurley. i mean i after that you know you're looking all the way down into like the mid 4k range before you find something that's interesting you know we almost almost had uh deandre washington as like stone lock 60 70 owned in cash games but it's looking more and more like josh jacobs is going to be cleared to play he's looking good in some some videos on twitter and you know at first it seemed like uh, he was going to be ruled in, and then Gruden kind of walked that back. But I think, I think that Jacobs is going to play this week. If he weren't to play, then DeAndre Washington would be a stone yes. lock. Yes, uh, for sure, absolute stone lock. If Jacobs misses somehow, but like you said, it looks like he's going to play. Um, so can't go there. Obviously, that'll just relegate him back to you know being the RB three on the team. But just for running backs, we really can't look past anything under 4.5k in my opinion um even for tournaments i don't think there's any cheap running backs that are viable uh patrick laird is the only uh running back that i would look to in this cheap range uh 4.5k going up against the giants he had 19 touches last week 15 rush attempts five targets um only ended up with 12 points as it was a difficult matchup on the ground. But now he gets a, a really, really soft matchup. And if he sees 20 touches, honestly, I wouldn't mind uh, going with him. But I think I'm pretty set on playing, you know, Gurley, Carson, and McCaffrey due to, due to the value at wide receiver and some other spots. But I think he is definitely cash viable. Um, you're not really going to get a 20-touch running back at this cheap of a price um, at this point in the season. Yeah, and, and he's got five targets and four receptions in back-to-back games, so he's he's a great play on DraftKings specifically. And, yeah, I mean, again, like, I kind of feel exactly the same as you. Like, I, I get it. I think there's merit to the play. Like, I wouldn't, you know, shame anybody for making that play, but I just don't think I'm going to make it because I like the value at wide receiver and I like that core of running backs quite a bit so i mean that's really all i'm considering for cash games do you have any gpp flyers yeah i mean josh jacobs for gpps obviously Mm -hmm. in a great matchup 7k and then i mean you got some guys below him like eckler and gordon i mean tough matchup against the vikings eckler won somebody a million dollars last week i'm not even gonna get into that but um (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's not really much at running back, honestly. Uh, Raheem Moster is still kind of cheap. Uh, I mean, they use a uh, backfield by committee, so it's tough to trust him. But, I mean, you know, why pay Zeke $90 million when you could pay Raheem Moster $800,000 and, you know, get the same production? That's just that's just my take on it. Um, he's just been great. Yeah, I mean, you're right, and... I feel like Mostert's probably, like, the third highest paid on their team. I mean, I don't know what Breda makes, but I know they gave Coleman a pretty decent contract. Yeah, um, nah, Mostert definitely makes less than $2 million a year. Wow. Uh, yeah, and there's there's really not much else out there. Um, I guess it's worth noting that um, 
you know, Derrick Henry missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday. I mean, we would expect him to play. He had a funny comment to the media where he was like, uh, you know, as, if, if my leg isn't half off my body, then I'm going to be out there. So, I mean, yeah. I'm not expecting this dude to miss, but, I mean, if he were, Deion Lewis would be a lock and load play at, like, 3,700. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, that's really all I've got as well. I mean, Bo Scarborough is looking like he might miss this week, but unfortunately the Lions are dust and Tampa Bay is an elite defense, so you can't even look at guys like McKissick or, uh, I don't know, there, anybody on that team. No, nobody under 4.5K is in play for DraftKings. So you're just uh, you're just contributing to the rake if you play anybody in that price range. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so. uh, any interest in Miles Sanders, or did he kind of lose his job to Boston Scott? Yeah, I don't know what the hell was going on with that because I played him on the showdown, but apparently yeah. Boston Scott, uh, you know, showed that I don't even know. I didn't even watch the game honestly. Um, I mean, he looked good. He looked yeah. way better than Miles Sanders. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and Boston Scott is min price against the Washington. Job in the second half, and it's kind of sparked the Eagles' offense. So, I mean, if if you want, play Boston Scott this week, but I wouldn't recommend it. And I'm off the Miles Sanders train when you got Gurley for 100 more. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, I definitely have some interest in Boston Scott. I didn't realize that he was min price. And, I mean, he had 10 attempts and, you know, s- caught six of six targets. I mean, if you're getting that kind of workload at min price against Washington, which is a good matchup and a must-win game for the Eagles if they want to have any shot of, you know, taking over that terrible division, I mean, I would do it in GPPs yeah, GPP for, for mid price, especially if we get some some good coach speak that favors Scott as maybe uh, the potential starter. Because honestly, he did look he looked like what we've been wanting Miles Sanders to look like. What we've seen some flashes of Sanders looking like, but he just can't seem to stay consistent. Scott looked really good, so yeah. I don't know. We'll see how that goes, but I think we can move on to wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, we can move on to wide receiver. Okay. Moving on to wide receiver here, we've got a ton of value, which we will get to in a moment. But in terms of the high price guys, I think that we've got a lot of really interesting plays, which is why you can go in different ways. You know, if you want to play Patrick Laird in cash, you could definitely fit some of these high priced wide receivers in there. And, and maybe even without doing so, if you want to play two of the cheap guys to get up to, you know, Hopkins or, or Godwin or whoever at this top range. I mean, what do you like at the top range here? I mean... We have Hopkins, like you said. Oh, my God. Like you said, Hopkins and Godwin are just two elite plays this week, I think. And um, just like in terms of last week and, you know, evaluating your process, I think that not coming off the idea that, you know, I shouldn't I shouldn't play Michael Thomas or D-Hop last week was wrong, and I don't want to make that same mistake. I know you – Posted a good Twitter clip about, uh, you know, evaluating your process and whatnot. Um, And I think think it is viable to play both of them um, with the lack of options at wide receiver uh, this week. I think it's pretty similar to last week. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, you know. I mean, I think Chris Godwin had a legit shot of being the wide receiver one in terms of like ownership, in terms of points and all of that. I mean, I definitely have some, you know, fear now because of the way this Winston news is seeming to progress throughout the week. Like I thought he was fine. He came in after fracturing the thumb, you know, in the second half and like proceeded to throw like what, like almost 500 yards. But I mean, 
the thing is, is that, you know, Winston is throwing a tennis ball in practice right now. He can't even grip a football. So, you know, that is definitely concerning, especially in cash games. I mean, I'm prepared to fire off Godwin and GPPs no matter what. You know, I'm not concerned about the matchup with Slay. Godwin is a monster, and he'll play 50% of his snaps inside anyways, which Slay doesn't travel. So regardless, I think Godwin is, is, is a monster play, especially... You know, if if the Lions and David Blau are able to keep this game close, and even if they're not, Winston might keep it close with a terrible turnover or two. So, um, you know, I mean, Godwin just an absolute smash play, and the same exact price, seventy seven hundred, is Saquon Barkley. Like God, how I want to play Godwin over Barkley. I mean, this week, I think, I think he is a better play than Barkley at the same price. I mean, I'd probably play him over Barkley. As well, that might be kind of a hot take. I mean, different positions, yeah. obviously. So, but the same price. Um, and then with Hopkins, obviously, just a great play no matter what. But if Will Fuller is out, which it looks like he may be out again this week, um, his splits with Will Fuller out and in are just drastic as he becomes basically the only wide receiver that, you know, Deshaun targets so hopkins would be a clear what lock about kenny stills don't ever mention his name again <laughs> bro every time kenny stills is supposed to be a good play he literally just yeah. like just crap like i don't even know i don't even know because i don't even watch the games but he doesn't do anything no he, he's god awful the only time he did well was that one showdown slate Against the Patriots, yeah. I think it he's was. He's not a wide receiver two in the NFL. He's not a wide receiver mm-hmm. one, obviously. He's not a wide receiver two. He is a wide receiver three that is strictly a deep threat, and you need him to, you know, catch one of those deep balls to pay off his salary because he's not going to get there on, you know, catches and uh, target share 100%. No, he's not a good player. I mean, all right, no. he's decent. But he's not—he's not that good. Um, so I'm not playing Kenny Stills, and DeAndre Hopkins is close to a lock as it gets at wide receiver. If you want to go that route, I feel like, especially if Will Fuller's out. Um, but other than that, there's really nobody that I'm really considering at this top end. I mean, Kenny Galladay is getting a lot of uh, a projected ownership right now as of Thursday. Which is interesting. Um, no Marvin Jones. I was kind of hoping that would be sneaky, you know. But yeah, I think no, people are all, no. all over that. Definitely not sneaky. Um, no Marvin Jones. Tampa Bay just gives up gives up an absurd amount of points to wide receivers, but definitely not cash viable in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree for sure. I mean, he's only got uh, what like thirteen targets over the last two games with Blau starting. Um, I mean, still significant, 28.8 points on Thanksgiving and then 17.8 against Minnesota the following week, and this is the best matchup. And, I mean, they priced him up to, like, Stafford's playing. Like, he hasn't been 7,200 since week nine against Oakland. So, I mean, it's just he's too expensive to consider. You know, for GPPs, I definitely like him. I really like Tyreek Hill this week for GPPs. Um you know, we know that Drew Locke is going to come in and smash the Chiefs. So if the Chiefs are trailing in this spot, you know, Hill's just going to eat. But um, 
Other than that, Julian Edelman always in play for cash games. He's just so consistent. He's, his streak has now been extended to eight straight games with 10 or more targets. He's got, you know, just such a high floor in this version of the Patriots offense where Brady doesn't have trust for any of these ancillary players. And, you know, I never suck. think that Edelman... They do, they do. I mean, granted, that was crazy that that, uh, that Harry play was not a touchdown but i know i know that you're tilted about that they missed so many calls that game and it's and it's like uh, i I don't even want to get into it because that (laughs) that's just a whole fucking tangent about you know people think the refs favor the patriots in every game but i would just say that's more so just the patriots being on tv more than any other team you know ever over the last you know 10 years or so um but Spygate two is going on. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they had to film on. the band. They had to film a one a one win team because they got to get intel on on a on a hey, one win team. Yeah, got to get that edge. Got to nah. get that edge. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, if you're not cheating, you're not winning. But it's uh, a bar. <laughs> but yeah, Julian Edelman hasn't seen under ten targets since uh, I don't even know which week. But the last time he saw under 10 targets was against the Redskins back in October. So almost two months straight with uh, nothing less than 10 targets each and every game. Um, just a consistent 17 to 30 points in your lineup. I think he is a great play each and every week, but nobody plays him. That's a, that's the crazy part. I mean, he had a little bit of ownership last week against the Chiefs and put up 24 points. Um but yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody plays Edelman ever, and no, nah, and, and he's a good play every single week. But I don't think that he's a must play ever, just because like you know he's got a high floor, like a high floor, like a much higher floor. But I think that some of these other guys who are comparable have higher ceilings than him. Mm-hmm. So so like he's a great play for cash, but you never really need to go there because he's expensive enough where it's never a value at the same time. But you know I would never fault you for playing Edelman. I played him in cash last week, but you know, right below, right below Edelman. I like, uh, I like Jarvis Landry quite a bit this week. You know, he has been the best wide receiver for Cleveland. You know, I know that that's Jared's boy. So I'll cap for him a little bit. while Jared's not here, but, um, you know, as far as Landry goes, he has been by far the most reliable, best wide receiver on a team that Odell Beckham has been on this entire year. You know, his price is a little bit exorbitant for what his floor could be because, you know, realistically, he can always have one of those floor games where he only has, you know, 11, 12, 13 points. But, you know, against the Cardinals and what should be the fastest paced game of the week, I think Landry has a ton of appeal. And, you know, if you compare him to some of the other guys in his range, guys like DJ Moore, Manny Sanders, you know, there's reasons to like those guys, but I, I, I would definitely play Landry ahead of all of them yeah i mean i don't mind landry at 6.7k but i think i like dj Moore a little bit more um for a hundred less i think he well you you've been a panthers fan all year so <laughs> i mean they've been making sense. me money so i'm gonna be a fan of anybody who's making me money and dj Moore, um in dfs and redraft now he's just been uh phenomenal he's top five in receiving yards um, he's he's just seen crazy usage this year. He's top five in targets, um, just everything. So I, I think he's a great play each and every week. I mean, his price tag is high, but I mean, I think it's I think it's still cheap for you know his target share and you know his production. So I, I love DJ Moore each and every week. Um, I'd play yeah, him every week yeah. if I could, but definitely having a breakout uh, second year and 
you know, I drafted him in a couple leagues, so hit on that. Yeah, no, he he's he's a good play every week with that with that workload. Before we move down to the value guys, do you have any interest in uh, Julio Jones? Seven K. I mean, just dumb cheap, but at the same time, like you know, no. so Calvin Ridley's gone. So I mean, that could be a boost if you look at it that way. You know, people are gonna see second next to San Francisco, and they're gonna fade Julio the same way everybody faded Michael Thomas last week, and yet. You know Julio Jones. I mean, he's still Julio. I mean, that's another player that we've talked about on this podcast as potentially being dust. At least I have. But you know, with no Richard Sherman, with no Calvin Ridley, I think that there's some reasons to really like Julio this week, especially at that 7K price tag. But again, you know, every time Julio's supposed to be a good play, it never works out. Yeah, I'm not playing Julio ever again this year. Um, so we could talk about some of these cheap guys. I mean. Just, well, just want to hit this mid-range first. I don't think there's really anybody in play for cash. I mean, I'd consider Christian Kirk at 5.5K. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I think that he's pretty much my only player. The only player that I would consider playing in this range. I mean, I, I think I'll definitely have some Robert Woods action, action in GPPs as he's yeah. been the Rams you know, wide receiver one over the last month. And he's been on the field way more than Cup and Cooks uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I, I think Woods is a great GPP play, but I think uh, people are going to pay down to some of these cheap guys this week. Yeah, I mean, I think Woods is cash viable, to be honest with you. But, I, I mean, there's some other guys in that range that I might not play him. But if you want to play Woods in cash, that's fine. I think he's, a, he's an awesome play. And in that same game, you know, I think Michael Gallup is really underpriced at 5700 I mean, he's got a decent floor. He hasn't had under six targets in a game since week nine, and in like half of those games, he's had over 10. So, you know, he's got a high floor, high ceiling. Ramsey should be on Amari Cooper for this game, which should free Gallup up. If you think that Dallas is able to keep pace in this spot, I really like Michael Gallup. That may be more of a GPP play, but um, I don't know. He, I think Gallup's a good play this week as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind Gallup, but... Um... I think I think there's better plays in this, uh, you know, this under five k range. Um, I know you got, <laughs> oh my god, you got the lock of the slate I sure in do. cash. I mean, I mean, if you wanna, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe some of the folks out there who follow the DFS dose, I've already posted, uh, you know, a clip just completely ranting about this play but i mean i'll give it give it to the podcast as well you know it's time it's darius slayton aka godius aka young slay and he's just a smash play in cash games and you know maybe it's because i'm biased because the two times that i've rostered him in dfs he smashed for over 30 points that was cash game in week 10 against the jets and last week in the showdown in the captain at under two percent owned because people are fish and didn't know to play godius in the captain so, yeah, I mean, is it because he catapults me to glory every single time I play him? Maybe, maybe a little bit. But honestly, this dude is going to be going for his third 30-plus point DraftKings performance in the last five weeks. You know, we've seen it time and time again with this Miami secondary. I mean, just look at the last three weeks. Robbie Anderson smashed last week. Alshon Jeffrey smashed two weeks ago. Before that, Odell Beckham, the former Giants wide receiver one, you know, who is essentially dust in Cleveland, was still able to smash against Miami. Now, the torch that has been passed to young Godius, the current Giants wide receiver one, 
is primed to break, you know, just completely break the slate. He's 4,700, amazing matchup. He's averaging eight targets per game over his last three. Game before that, he had 15 targets, so we know he's got a massive ceiling. And and look, he put up 35 DraftKings points in the first half last week before Eli Manning just went full Eli and then only threw for 24 yards in the entire second half. But either way, you know, Godius could have easily put up 50 points if he had a competent quarterback. Now, he's not going to have a competent quarterback this week, most likely, unless uh, Daniel Jones enters the lineup, which would be nice. But just looking at Godius, I mean, people are excited to play Brashad Perryman this week because he, you know, ran 83% of snaps last week once Evans went, went out. Well, guess what, dude? Darius Slayton's been running 80% of snaps, 90% of snaps all year. That's all he does is run run routes out there, run deep routes. He, he's a beast. And it's time, lock him in, 4,700, and then, uh, you know, build from there. And that's really all I got to say. Uh, great, great job. Round of applause for that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Slayton a lot this week. Obviously, uh, receivers against the Dolphins are – you know, they've just been the moneymaker this year. It's literally been a print fest. Um, so, I, yeah, I think he's a great play. I mean, you know, I don't want to take, you know, too much pride, but I was on Slayton before everybody else. Um, that's neither here nor there. It's definitely not here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we want to bring up the text from April when I was getting called, you know, a fish for, you know, drafting Darius Slayton and whatnot. Go ahead. Um, but a lot of people are going to play, you know, a first-round wide receiver bust. You know, they're not going to play this fifth-round rookie from Auburn, Darius Slayton. They're going to play, you know, washed-up first-round pick Brashard Perryman uh, for 200 less with no Mike Evans, he's done for the season with his hamstring injury. Um, Perryman is going to basically step yeah. into Mike Evans' role, which is a very fantasy-friendly uh, role. Um, how do you feel about that? I know you got some. I know you got some off feelings towards that. I do. I mean, I think that it's just a god awful play. I think it's bad chalk, and I think it will be chalk because a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of you know touts around the industry are already talking about Perryman. The thing with Perryman is I, I don't think at all that he's going to just absorb that role from Mike Evans. Like, I mean, you look at it and Justin Watson, who is, you know, pretty decent, I think. I mean, at least his, his measurables are good. I mean, he stepped in last week, had eight targets, five receptions for 59 and a touchdown. Pretty much the same production, you know, that, that Perryman had. Also, Scotty Miller is coming back, and, you know, Miller's not some amazing talent by any stretch, but the Bucks liked him. I mean, he was integrated into this offense when he was healthy, and then he misses two games. Now he's coming back at the exact time that they need to, you know, start filling some wide receiver snaps with Evans' departure. So, yeah, I, I just I think that it's just bad process to just, like, assume that because Perryman, you know, mid-game when, when Evans gets hurt is going to suddenly be the guy, I mean— Dude, Watson had three more targets than Perryman in, in that same game. So I just – I don't see this at all. Like you said, I mean, first-round bust, he's okay. He's been decent with Tampa Bay. But, you know, I would so much 
prefer to play Godius, and I like uh, several guys Godius. under 4K more than I like. Uh, <laughs> I like, yeah, several guys under 4K more than Perryman as well. I, I am excited for people to play Saquon Barkley and Brashad Perryman against me in head-to-heads this week. I think it's going to be a smash. Yeah, I probably won't play Perryman at all. Just wouldn't trust him enough. And I know you just mentioned Justin Watson. Um, I think I think he's definitely in play at three point seven. I think a lot of people are gonna go there. Um, and then we also have Isaiah Ford at three point seven K. I don't know if I'd be really comfortable with playing him. I mean, he did have nine targets last week with some injuries to some Dolphins wide receivers. Devontae Parker, Allen Hearns, um, all got hurt. So I, I I think Ford is in play. But other than that, I wouldn't really consider anybody else um this week i like ford quite a bit as well uh he pairs well with godius if that game starts to shoot out or is high scoring both of them have a pretty good shot but you know as well as ford like so Devonte parker and albert wilson are both in the concussion protocol both i think you know it's listed as questionable right now i would say both of them are doubtful it looks like Hearns is going to play, but if we've got Isaiah Ford and Alan Hearns out there, I think that Ford is definitely going to be the go-to option. He's young. You know, he had nine targets, six for 92 last week, just shy of the bonus. You know, uh, he, he led the team in targets, catches, and receiving yards once Parker went out. And, and the way Fitzpatrick is, is he just keys onto one guy. Now, yeah, that's been Devontae Parker for the last, you know, like, month and, I mean, really the whole year. But if, if Parker's gone, I think Ford can definitely be that guy. He's in a great matchup, 3.7. I, I like him quite a bit for cash if we get the news that Parker and Wilson are both out. Um, and right below that, 3,600, 100 less. I like Chris Conley quite a bit if DJ Chark misses. Of course, it's very dependent on DJ Chark missing, but it, it looks like he's pretty up in the air, legit questionable. You know, Conley would sort of maintain oh, yeah. his role, I think, because they would just play Keelan Cole. But, um, you know, Keelan Cole hasn't been productive in a few years. I, I know we used to like him. I think when we first started doing the podcast and we're talking about some redraft stuff, we all liked Keelan Cole as a sleeper for the Jags. But he's really been completely relegated since Conley joined the team as the wide receiver three alongside Westbrook and Chark. And Westbrook himself is also dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, should play, but, you know, he's more of a slot guy. I don't think that his role is affected whatsoever by uh, Chark yeah. playing or not playing. I just think, uh, you know, Conley, it's a great matchup against the terrible Oakland secondary. Mm-hmm. I, I would definitely consider him in cash as well. Yeah, I mean, if Chark misses, I would project Conley to step into his role and then Keelan Cole to fill in as the wide receiver three. So obviously we'd get Conley and uh, Westbrook playing pretty much every snap against the Raiders, and like you mentioned, the Raiders have a terrible pass secondary. We just saw A.J. Brown uh, light them up. Um, So I I think Conley, if that news comes out that Chark is missing, I think he is one of the best receiving plays on the slate, and he'll obviously be uh, very chalky. Um, Other than that, there's not really many guys I would consider. I think the cheapest we can go is min price, and we have Greg Ward at 3K. Um, yep. Eagles wide receiver Greg Ward. There, he just has a bunch of injuries in front of him. Um, Alshon's on IR now. Aguilar is still dealing with an injury. So I think Greg Ward would then become viable this week. Um, how do you feel about yeah. how do you feel about Gregory? 
against the Redskins. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm down with Gregory, former AAF star. Um, I would be down with that. Uh, you know, so the thing with him, I was looking at his numbers. He actually ran less routes on Wentz's dropbacks than Ortega Whiteside did, but despite that, I mean, they were both close. It was like 80 versus 90%, but... Um, you know, he still had triple the amount of targets as Whiteside. Yeah. So I think that Wentz trusts Ward more. He had nine targets versus Whiteside's three. And, you know, Alshon is on IR. Uh, we don't know yet if Aguilar plays. I think if Aguilar plays, then Ward is definitely out of play. But if, if it's just Ward and Whiteside and, like, you know, you know Ertz and, and Goddard out there, then I definitely think that you could play, you know, Ward in cash. I don't think he has much of a ceiling, so it would be, like, a cash floor play only. But... You know, if he's the only one out there against Washington, I'd be down to play that. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't mind playing him either, but I don't think it's necessary. But I mean, that's all. not. It's definitely not necessary. Yeah, I mean, that's all I have for wide receiver. I don't know about you. Um, I think we covered pretty much every yeah. viable player. Yeah, that is all I've got as well. Except you know, just some two names for GPPs I want to toss out there. I, I mean. I'm mostly joking about Drew Locke being in play, but I do think that Cortland Sutton is an awesome play this week against Casey. He's 5,900, um, you know, not a cash play, but you can definitely jam him in with, a, you know, like a Mahomes to Tyreek stack, bring it back with Sutton. Or if you really, you know, do want to play the, you know, stun on your X narrative with Drew Locke to Cortland Sutton, you could do that. And A.J. Brown, who you just mentioned, I think is an awesome play as well. He does not get consistent enough targets to be in play for cash. You know, he's either going to get you under 10 points or he's going to get you 30 points. But against this Texans defense in the highest team, you know, highest game total of the week, I think that at 6K, people might be off of him uh, despite blowing up next week or last week. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I, I would play either Brown or Sutton in GPPs as well. Yeah, I, I don't mind either of them. I mean, I hope Sutton goes off because I need him to. But Yeah. Um, moving on to tight end. There's basically two things you can do this week. You can either play Zach Ertz or you can punt below 4K. Um, you know, Ertz we, is a monster play. Yeah. Okay. I mean, honestly, dude has is averaging 11 targets, you know, in his last five games. Just monster, monster usage. And that, that should honestly, we would expect that to hold, right? With Alshon gone, Ertz is really by far, not, not only the only competent pass catcher, but like, by far the best so i mean 6k for someone who's averaging 11 targets and you know this is a must-win game for the eagles if they want to have any sort of shot at winning the nfc east so they're going to need to hammer Ertz, the one productive player left uh, you know in their past course yeah i think Ertz is the best play at this top range but i mean personally i'm not going there for cash um you know we have tyler higby at 3.9k who i think is going to be the chalkiest tight end this week and he's just seen phenomenal usage especially with Gerald Everett being sidelined due to injury and the Cowboys just have been one of the worst defenses against tight ends this season you know they're up there with Arizona in terms of yards allowed to tight ends and touchdowns allowed to tight ends so I think Higby is uh probably my favorite tight end play on the board for 3,900 um, just in just for tight end as a position in the whole, I'm look. I'm always looking to pay down in cash. Um, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's a bad process yeah. or whatnot. But I, I think just this season, it's it's worked out with paying down. And you know, we get guys every single week. So far, it's been 15 weeks or 14 weeks of the season, and we've had guys every single week at tight end that have been cheap and have had 
you know, smash games. So I think it's all about identifying that cheap tight end that's going to get you, you know, 10 plus points. And then from there, you're just printing money. Um, yeah, I don't think that I played a tight end above 5K since Evan Ingram was healthy. Yeah, I don't so. think I've played a tight end above 4K this entire year, maybe one time. Just because of there's just been so many options on the cheap side. But, I mean, Tyler Higby is just a great play this week. Also, this is obviously news dependent, but I would save the 900 and go to Ian Thomas at 3.1K, who is honestly a better player than Tyler Higby. He's a better athlete, a better pass catcher. Um, but it all just falls on if Greg Olson comes back this week or not for the Panthers. Um, yeah, and I uh, the news was actually just updated on that. He was limited Wednesday and limited Thursday. However, interim coach uh, did say that he is still in the concussion protocol. So oh, bad I think that, yeah, it is. I think it would be tough for him to clear. And let's be honest, dude, Greg Olson's like 45 yeah. years old. Like, let the kid play. That's what Come I'm saying. On. Like, I, I get, you know, you have a loyalty to certain players. Like, he's been there a while and he's been really good, but he's old, he's dusty. Ian Thomas is actually a pretty good tight end. Um, he has you know, several attributes that make him a great athlete. Um, I know he's like in the 94th percentile in terms of spark. So, I mean, I think they should just let him play the season out. There's only a couple more games left to see what you got in him. And I think he should be their tight end one moving forward. And, you know, just a little looking in 2020, he could be the Darren Waller of 2020. But mm. for redraft. But this is about DraftKings, not redraft. So play Ian Thomas or Tyler Higbee, sale to the money. And yeah, that's my take on tight end. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And uh but let's say let's paint a scenario, you know, where both Everett and Greg Olson return. Uh, if that were to happen and, and we couldn't really trust either of those as cash game options, the two guys that I would look to as sort of like backup would be one, Jacob Hollister, who has out-targeted Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf over the last two weeks. Um, and he's an, he's attached to an elite quarterback, which you always like to see for your tight end. Um, you know, he's up and down, but, I mean, his targets have been pretty solid. Hasn't had under six targets since – or he's had under six targets just once since week nine, and he's shown upside to get eight, ten targets in certain spots. So I like him for cheap. He's, uh, I think, 3,800. Just, just below Higby. Obviously, Higby's a better play if Everett's out, but if not, would consider Hollister. And also Mike Gesicki for 4K even. Um, just another guy who is getting super consistent targets, usually between 5 and 7 every single week, and that could potentially spike with, you know, half of the Dolphins' pass catchers, you know, in jeopardy of missing yeah. this game. So I, I like both of them as backup plays strictly if, uh, you know, Higby and Thomas become unavailable for cash. Yeah, I like them as well, and I think you could take a shot on Najoku for a hundred more than Gasicki. Um, you know, the flow chart against the Cardinals is just, mm-hmm. you know, crazy. That's been the moneymaker as well this year at tight end, just targeting teams that have a solid tight end that gets some usage against the Cardinals. They've just gone off and... Um, I, th- I think he's in play this week. But other than that, there's really nobody else I would consider besides Evan Ingram. If he's healthy, but even then, I, I mean, there's really no need for the Giants to even activate him for the rest of the year. So I could see 
them just shutting Ingram down and moving on to next year with him. But, I mean, other than that, there's nothing at tight end. Just pay down. Just pay down. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, in GPP, you can you can always pay up for one of the big three. I mean, Kittle, 6,200, Kelsey. That's fine for GPP. It's just not, not yeah, cash play. Not like, both of them obviously have crazy upside, so... You could always go there. But uh, moving on to our final position here, DST. Um, you know, this is a week, I think, where you maybe paying up is viable. I don't know. I mean, there's so much value that, you know, in my initial build, I just had, like, over a grand left in salary. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? I mean, I might as well just plug one of these expensive defenses in. I like the 49ers and the Chiefs both at the high end. You could go with the Patriots as well, even though the, uh, you know, the touchdown luck is – drawing a little bit uh, thinner as the year continues. I think the 49ers are a smash play in defense. If you don't want to go there in cash, I would still consider it in GPPs. You know, the Falcons have given up 5.3 sacks per game over their last three games. Um, and, and yeah. you know, this 49ers defense can definitely get pressure. Chiefs, same thing. You know, if, if you, for some reason, are a heathen and don't believe in the Drew Locke narrative, you know, maybe you think that uh, he falters on the road in Arrowhead. Yeah, that's probably not likely, but I mean the Patriots are the best play on the board, but they're 4K, so that you obviously have to take that into account. They should be able to go into Cincinnati and handle Andy Dalton and Co. Yeah, obviously they've got. Yeah, you they've know, got their start. playbook. Okay, they've got their signals. They know what they're gonna do. So that's uh-huh. an easy, easy play. Easy. But I mean, in cash, I mean we're always looking to pay down. You know, we haven't played, you know, defense in cash over 3K the entire year. Um, the Lions, 2.3. You're going up against the most turnover-prone quarterback in the NFL. I know the Lions really don't have a good defense, but especially if Jameis Winston misses this game as well, I think they're just a solid up back to at least get, you know, one or two turnovers, and then who knows at that point. Um, you get a little sack fumble, a pick, a pick six or something, you're sailing to the money at defense for 2.3K. Um, I know we preach this, but just so much variance at defense where, you know, it doesn't really – I mean, it matters who you pick, but, I mean, not – like, de- I defense mean, doesn't I, matter. I would, like to, I would like to not play the Lions if, if at all possible, and I think it is possible just because, like, like, yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, anybody at home facing Winston or on the road – anybody facing Winston is viable, especially if you're a home defense for 2,300. Like, I get that point. But also, you know, they're bottom five in terms of pressure – uh, they're bottom five in terms of QB hits. You know, Winston should be in a clean pocket. And Winston's bad games, you know, his worst games tend to come against zone coverage. And Lions are second in the NFL in terms of man coverage rate. So I just think there's some reasons to think that Winston would have, you know, a clean game as far as, you know, what that means from a Jameis Winston perspective. For a couple hundred more, I think that there's a couple you know, options you could consider. I like the Redskins this week at 2,600. You know, the Eagles defense is just completely broken and Washington is averaging over five sacks per game in their last three. I think that they could definitely give Wentz some trouble and a hundred more than that. Um, You know, the Giants and their defense is god-awful themselves, but, you know, Miami is one of the most talent-poor offenses in the league right now with all their injuries, and, you know, Fitzmagic is obviously turnover-prone. So I think that you could, you know, fit any of these defenses in that that fit your build. Yeah, I agree. I mean, defense is kind of ugly this week. I'm not even going to lie. The Eagles are standing out to me at 3.4K going up against the Redskins, but the Eagles have also been really bad. I mean, my favorite play on the slate is the Patriots, like I said, because they're getting 
I think this is the one game out of every single game on this slate where you're getting an elite defense going up against a very, very bad offense. Um, so I, I think they're the best play, but obviously the best plays are the most expensive. So, yeah. I know. We just need to unlock the uh, the un- unlimited salary bonus. Yeah, but, um... I mean, redraft, unlimited salary, pick whoever you want. Let's get it. Wow. The greatest format ever. But yeah. um, let's move on. To the end of the show here, give me a one percent play that you think could uh, smash in GPPs this week. Uh, alrighty, one um, percenter for you. I got you. We're gonna play. All right, not a one percenter, but a, like a very very low on guy. DJ Moore talked about him a little bit. It's my favorite uh, low on play. Expect, expected to be under four percent this week. That is pretty good. I like that. I didn't know he was going to be that cheap that or, or that I mean, well-owned. I, I definitely like yeah, that. Yeah, I played Kyle Allen to DJ Moore in the Millie Maker. And, I mean, Kyle Allen didn't go off, which was unfortunate. But, or not Kyle Allen. DJ Moore didn't go off. Um, Kyle Allen actually had a really good fantasy game. But, yeah, I, I think DJ Moore has a good bounce-back potential this week in what I believe is going to be the highest-scoring game. All right, that's fair. I got two guys I'll throw out there. Um, first is my boy Keenan Allen. <clears throat> he is priced pretty affordably this week, 6300 and he's facing Minnesota, which is essentially a pass funnel at this point. And, you know, Keenan hasn't popped off for one of those monster games in the second half of the year yet. Had a couple in, uh, you know, the top of the year, 46.6 against Houston, almost 30 against the Colts. And I think that he could definitely do that again against minnesota in this spot you know the chargers are eliminated but they're still playing hard philip rivers is out there talking shit so i mean i'm yeah it was i mean i'd be down to play keenan and he's in that price range at 6.3 where he's going to get completely overlooked so um definitely under you know three percent owned there and then uh at running back too i think that there's an off chance and that's why it's a one percent play that ronald jones would be a great play because you know the lions have a terrible run defense winston is kind of hurt maybe they try and and just run the ball in this spot maybe they get up early and and pound the ball and and ronald jones falls in the end zone twice for 4600 and in a price range where nobody's going to be looking there yeah i mean it's just always a possibility that you know he gets benched for for yes it absolutely is Play yeah, play barber for two hundred less if you're a true savage. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I would avoid it, but I mean, it's a, if you're just trying to take a large well, field GPU. That's shot. why you're not a millionaire yet, bud. Yeah, because I mean, to be a millionaire now, oh my god, no, I'm, okay, yeah, I'm not even gonna talk about that. I mean, I should have put a video on that. That could have got some clout, but. Dude, you got got to chase the clout. Got to yeah, get a, a finished tattoo of Portingo Levitan. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, finally, we will close out the show. Oh wait. Uh, here, let me do my uh, my my Jared's Jared's uh, one percenter. Um, Tyler Boyd. Right here, let me. Do, All right, yeah, moving, exactly. moving on. <laughs> Can I get Tyler Boyd at fifty five hundred <laughs> against the Patriots? You know, their slot coverage isn't that yeah. good. <laughs> They're thirty second against slot wide receivers. All right. That's that's Jared's pick. That's that's Jared's input. Um, and then at uh, let's see, best bets of the week. Give me give me a good sports bet. What are you liking on this slate? What do you think mine is? 
I don't, I don't know, bud. I've been, I mean, I've been talking about it all pod. Give me the over in the Seahawks game. I want the over. Hmm. All right, there that that is going to go over. It's at forty eight and a half right now. Um, just smash that, and you'll sell to the money. All right, that's uh, that's fair. I mean, I I don't agree with you on that game because I think Kyle Allen is just bad, and both these teams are going to run, so there's not going to be very much play volume. But I, I hear where you're coming from. It could definitely, you know, a couple big plays on the Panthers side, and then you know the the Seahawks are slinging it. So it could definitely happen. For me, uh, I, this is an easy bet. I can't believe what Vegas is thinking here, giving the Broncos 12 points when we know that Drew Locke is coming in there on fire. So give me Drew Locke and the Broncos plus 12 against yeah, the Chiefs. I don't think that's uh, this right. man is playing for his soul. Uh, I believe it is right, sir. No, I, what we're, oh, oh a, it got bet down. Yeah, it got bet down to nine oh. and a half because everybody's on the narrative train, man. Damn it, dude! They're too sharp. I was looking at the open, not the not the live. That is, that's a shame. But I mean, right now in fantasy labs, it's uh, Broncos plus ten. You said it's plus nine and a half somewhere else. Yeah. So ESPN. I mean, honestly, you could just pick the Broncos money line, <laughs> um, and and that you could take that to the bank. Interesting, interesting. I like I like the boldness. Yeah. 100%. And and Jared's best bet of the week is uh, the over on Tyler Boyd's prop. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's what we've got for uh, the week 15 breakdown of uh, DraftKings. Hope you all enjoyed the show. We will be back next week, as we always are, on Friday morning. Uh, you know, give us a follow on Twitter. You can follow our individual Twitters as well. Mine is at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. My personal Twitter is at Joey Carrion underscore. And then as always, you can follow Jared at Jared underscore underscore Marcus. Absolutely. Let us uh, go savage. We aren't going to be salvaging. And let's sail to the money. Dab.